Hi, I'm Sung Ray. I'm something else. Here at Black Girl Soul, a podcast where we discuss the Asian dramas we love from a Black female perspective. We are looking to be entertained, to learn about other cultures, and share our passion for these shows. Welcome. Hello, everyone. This is Black Girl Soul. I am something else, and we also have Stone Ray. Okay, so this is an episode that is a long time coming, unfortunately, for us. We're both busy people, but we love you guys and talking about dramas and film, and we realized that we were completely derelict in our duty to you guys and to ourselves by not talking about this film. And it'd be different if we'd watched the film and yet we didn't talk about it, but we just never had a chance to. It was just always the thing we wanted to get to. It was our secret shame. So we are now going to talk about Parasite having watched it. And I'm going to give you the brief rundown. Everyone knows everything about this film already, but let me try and do it justice. Parasite is a 2019 South Korean Black comedy thriller film directed by Bong Joon-ho, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Han Jin-woo. Okay, y'all know already, but I'm going to say it again because it is my second secret shame. I'm going to butcher these names, but I'm saying them out of respect and because I have to give it the old college try. So please, please, please forgive me when I mispronounce these names. I'm very sorry. Okay. It stars Song Kang-ho, Lee Sung-kyun, Cho Yo Jung, Choi Woo Shik, Park So Dam, Jang Hai Jin, and Lee Jung Un, and is about a family of con artists who latch onto a rich family. So let's give it its props and its bona fides because this film did the damn thing. It's the first. South Korean film to win the Palme d'Or Award. It grossed over $264 million worldwide on a production budget of $11 million. That's right, y'all. It just got ridiculous, okay? Just ridiculous money. It's the highest grossing film of South Korea. They won many awards. It won 42 awards internationally okay <laughs> it just it got ridiculous i mean it was like south korea was like let's try a hand at this and then it just like completely blew up shop okay so of the 92nd academy awards it was best picture best director best original screenplay best international feature film becoming the first non-english language film to win the Academy Awards for Best Picture, the first South Korean film to be nominated, and the second film produced by an Asian country to be nominated since the year 2000's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, 
produced by China. So basically the first time y'all tried, the South Koreans tried, they just blew it up, okay? <laughs> and it also won the Golden Globe Awards for Best Foreign Language Film and the BAFTA Award for the Best Film Not in the English Language and became the first non-English film to win the Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture. It also won the Palme d'Or Award for 2019. It won an award for the Robert Award for Best Non-English Language Speaking, uh, Basic Award for 2020, Writers Guild Award, America Award for Best Original Screenplay, Blue Dragon Film Award for Best Leading Actor, the AACTA International Award for Best Film, the David D. Donatello Best Foreign Film, uh, Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Director, uh, British Independent Film Award for Best International Film, Independent Spirit Award, National Society of Film Critics Award, Blue Dragon Film Award for Best Director, uh, Grand Bell Award for Best Supporting Actress, uh, Blue Dragon Film Award for Best Supporting Actor, Los Angeles Film Critics Association Award, uh, Los Angeles Film Critics Association's Award for Best Supporting Actor. Yes, yes. Whew, okay. Sunray, we don't have the whole hour to just list the awards. I understand, I understand, but they they did it. 42 awards internationally is awesome. Right, they they did the damn thing. And so now let's get to the film itself. Let's start off with this. In general, what would you grade this film as? This is a laughable question, but I have to ask it. What would you grade the film as? A, B, C, what would you give it? Songwriting? I would give it an A. Easy. I would give it an A. Right. I mean, it's, it's laughable, right? I mean, and as we talk about it, you'll understand why. There's so many people who have spoken and written about this film that, yes, I doubt we're going to do it the same level of justice as they do, but we can definitely put our spin on it, right? You know how we are. Well, I'll say that, of course, an A, A plus, A plus, plus, plus. But what were your first impressions of the film before you watched it? Um, I really didn't have any impression other than I thought it was a horror film. Okay. Did you think it was a thriller or like you thought it was going to be a horror film? No, just a flat horror film. My mother is who noted it. Oh, look, she thought because it was Korean, I'd be interested because I watched the Korean dramas and we got, I want to watch this. You should watch this with me. And I said, okay. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, no, it's a horror film. I don't do horror films, but go ahead. (laughs) As time went on, you know, I'm sure you learned a little bit more. You're like, oh, okay, let me get to this. For me, I didn't think it was a horror film. I thought it was a comedy more than I thought it was like a black comedy. I thought it was like a comedy of errors. I thought it might be more along the lines of the British show Upstairs Downstairs or more along the lines of like almost a Downton Abbey, but like the Asian version in a way, you know, a modern Asian version. I just thought it was going to be like a comedy of manners more so than like uh, black comedy and that's just like a completely different different feel right so you start us off I'm going to give you guys a summary that I kind of pulled in 
it helped me to get a better understanding because initially just thinking about the title, the title is Parasite. So again, I thought it was about a horror film and I thought it was going to be about books. (laughs) (laughs) Because again, even though the previews had come on, I saw them, but I didn't really pay them any mind. Um, where something else is more interested in digging into things and finding out what's going on. That wasn't really my bag. So I saw the previews. I heard what my mom said. And I was like, yeah, okay. Then when I heard they got all the awards, I was like, whoa, okay, I might need to check this out. That was the only thing that sent me to wanting to really dig in and watch it. So for me, the summary is, it's a family who is destitute, slightly lazy and cunning, and they use an inroad made by their son's friend to provide him with a tutoring job with this wealthy family to take over basically all of the jobs in the family that they can find. And once they get themselves there, they all begin to envision making this their home and can take over. And they pretty much are on the road to success until they have a thorn that gets into their side and that turns this whole thing into something else. (laughs) So that's like pretty much the summary that I pulled. And I was like, you know, that's that it was an interesting lead into wow okay okay the concept of what a parasite is so I guess for me one of the things I thought about was what do you think about the overarching theme of this movie and because of that title that theme is what led me to go oh this is good so for you what do you feel about the overarching theme of the movie um I think the overarching theme for me was um like, you know, the way we talk about hood rats, right. I thought about them being like roaches. Like that was the overarching thing. Like the overall feeling I got from it was like very shocking. And it's like, I felt like I was traveling down a tunnel out of sheer curiosity. And then I realized I was being buried alive. <laughs> and I feel like I was being buried alive with a bunch of roaches. <laughs> because I think there's something about when a viewer walks into a film where you want to relate to the characters you see first and you want to like them and you want to be on their side. So at first, you're completely and firmly on this family side. Like you see their hustle. Their hustle is super real. You see that they are still in Wi-Fi and that they... (laughs) in a very literal twist, they get fumigated like bugs, right? In the very beginning, and they keep on hustling and they keep on working. They just accept the fumigation and they keep on hustling. It made me sympathize with them because I was like, oh, you know, this family on their hustle, poor them, poor them. Even when they start to like take advantage of this family, you go, oh, poor them, poor them. And then at some point I was like, if these ain't some straight up con artists, MF, blip, 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 folks, like it just, it just got worse and worse and worse. How about you, Song Ray? So I feel like this film really speaks to the have and the have-nots mentality that anyone on earth can understand. We've into the desire to overcome our bad odds or poor situations and we live better than we are or were. So I believe that once you achieve this certain space in life, though, it is ultimately important to note that everyone is not there to aid a fellow human, make their way out. So you get to where you're going to be on your step and stuff. You try and you help someone else, which was Pak Se-Joon's uh, role in this. He was the friend who came in. Hey, I know, you know, we 
I don't even think they were in college together. I'm not sure how they were friends, but they were friends of some sort. And he came back to like try to assist a friend. And he aided a fellow human in trying to provide him a chance to live a little differently with some dignity. And the Park family represents those who have had a status and they forget their ways knowingly and unknowingly where they are doing things that they, you know, they're comfortable with and they're used to having. And the Pock family is the family who owns the house. So when the Kim family begins to feel like they've arrived, they become like the cockroaches, parasites that want to take over your kitchen and your home unless it's exterminated. They they became the fear that elitists and wealthy people fear at night as they clutch their dollars and sleep. They slowly Mm. made their way into the park home and invited others, one after the other. And the first chance they had to be home alone, they obstinately abused it. It wasn't even a a nice abuse. They, They just went in. Right. (laughs) Exactly. I totally agree with you. I think the only place I slightly, not totally then, the slight place where I disagree with you is that the friend did not out of the goodness of his heart, right? He did not give his friend that opportunity. He didn't tell the son of the family about the tutoring job because he was kind and good and trying to help his fellow man. He did it specifically because he thought his friend had no gang. And he was like, I've gotten the daughter of the rich family primed up. I've even had the mother. And I think his words were, she's young and simple. So he was not part of the St. June's character. He called the mom simple. He didn't call the daughter simple. He said the mom was nice and simple. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I thought, I no, maybe oh, you said, okay, okay. I mean, I, I think I, I thought I read it young and simple, but maybe it was nice and simple. And and yeah. well, same difference he thought she was naive and right. and so he was bringing in the young poor friend like being magnanimous but at the same time condescending hey I'm doing you a solid but really he's not doing him a solid really he's like he told him outright I know you're not going to be able to get with this chick and when I come back I'm gonna formally date her so can you hold my spot and make sure pretty much nobody gets next to her? That's what he came down to. So he wasn't exactly, he wasn't, he was condescending. And it made me wonder because I don't know culturally, of course, what it meant. I understood the symbolism of the, I think it was a stone or whatever, or the rock that he brought to the family from his father, you know, that like petrified stone. I understood the symbolism of it. But I kind of also think it low grade was another way for him to kind of say, this is where you all are. Everyone knows y'all don't have it together. Here's this gift. And by the way, here's this opportunity. Like if he hadn't needed his friend, he wouldn't have been there. And I kind of disagree because he, I didn't lend it. It didn't lend itself to me or I didn't feel as though he was there totally on the strength of, you ain't gonna do nothing. I took it as I'm trusting you enough to a this opportunity exists. I could easily go talk to some folks from my college and get somebody else to do this. But I trust you. I trust you already recognize. I'm telling you, this is what I want to do with this girl. Don't mess with her. Watch over her. Make sure she don't mess with nobody else. And there you go. Go hook yourself up. Get you a job. That's how I perceived it. And I just, you know, think maybe on this one we gotta disagree to or agree right. to disagree because <laughs> I didn't perceive him trying to be condescending. Right. I think the rock kind of made me side eye, but then his conversation, I mean, 
on any level you want to look at it, he was a douche, but he was, I think, especially one because it was a indirect benefit to his friend, but primarily it was a benefit to him. But like you said, I think it was a two-way street. Yeah, there you go. I could see that. And so one of the other themes I saw, I mean, there were a lot of themes. There are a lot of mm-hmm. themes that were touched on and that's what makes this such a rich film. But just like the concept of family in general, I thought it was very, very interesting. Like speaking of that rock and how part of the reason like that rock stood out to me was that it was supposed to bring that family material wealth, but they already had wealth in that they were a family. They were a, uh, you know, they were a functioning for all intents and purposes, able-bodied family. And that was the core wealth that they had, but it really wasn't like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get on and I'm maybe I'll throw a couple of dollars your way. It's like the brother got on, to bring on the sister, the sister got on to bring on her daddy, the daddy got on to bring on his wife. Oh, let me just say this. Okay, so (laughs) for those of you guys who have not watched this film, we're going to spoil the hell out of it. (laughs) We're going to spell the hell out of it. So you already know our rating. You already know that it's gotten ridiculous accolades. You already know that we love it. Go watch it. Now on to the show. So Ray, what did what did you think about the theme of family? Um, I think for me, because of how cunning and conniving and deceptive they were, yes, they were a family. Yes, they they had the benefit of having each other, even so much so that they practiced their stuff. I still think though, they were an extremely dysfunctioning group. They were not where I would look for parents to give some type of here's the right way to do things or here's how you should do things. The parents were supporting him in this madness. So like the boy went in, he he got the job, he got the girl to fall for him and he was setting up his own program. It was the fact that the the father and the mother did not like delude their plans is what blew my mind I think that that just was like whoa is this how y'all function and even to the point I'm gonna skip jump to two things but I'm gonna come back but even to the point when they wound up at the shelter and he asked his father he said what is your plan and he said oh I don't have plans I don't I don't make plans when you make plans that's where stuff goes wrong so I don't make a plan well in his head he was gonna make a plan and he did he made a plan on what he wanted to do but it just still just never seemed to in my head I feel like as a functioning family had they thought about this okay so maybe the son and the daughter had these sick ideas but mom dad nobody stopped to say Uh uh-uh, this is not how we do this. This is what makes the better sense. So I guess, I don't know. I thought they were just an an extremely dysfunctional family. And then what was the second point? So my second theme was, okay, so do you, we're just, I'm jumping around. When the family had to return to their home and it was really the dad and the two children, when they had to return to their home and it was flooded, the themes that I noticed there, because that also plays back into one, thinking about that rock and two, just, the the uh visuals that they gave so it's completely flooded they're in a basement apartment and the toilet is exploding with boo-boo she's sitting on the toilet smoking 
the son is like just in despair. He finds that rock and he's just trying to hold on to that for dear life. The father's trying to be practical at this point and just those visuals and all of what was going on there, I thought those were like excellent scenes and so many things you could pull out and, and talk on. So that was my next point was that, you know, as a, even then when the family was in that situation and it was a rough one, everybody else is in the same place in the neighborhood. They're trying to get their things together. They're trying to help each other get out and get to where they can be, you know, safe because it hit rain, flooded. They were dysfunctional again. She's sitting on the toilet that's shooting shit, smoking. The boy is holding a rock, just having his moment. And the dad is like, okay, can y'all come on? We got to get out of here. So they were just all over the place. And that was like kind of wild to me. Um, I think that it was kind of just the hardest version of we're sending you back where you came from right? Like they had gotten to enjoy a particular way of life for a split second. And then the family comes home and they have to- No, no, no. It wasn't even just that the family came home, girl, because the Keem family was not ready for the former housekeeper to show back up. That's what threw them all the way off. I think if the family had just shown up- They'd have been all right. It was that housekeeper coming back. That's and then right. They were the ones who came. Threw. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because I was like, I know that someone came home and something happened. But yeah, I think it it was it was just this weird kind of juxtaposition between the the good life and then like, no, this is where you really belong. Like you really belong mm. in this bullshit. You really belong with the other poor people you enjoy this wonderful think about even their views when they were at home their view was below the street okay they weren't even at street level they were below the the street do you remember they kept having the vagrant piss in front of their house right that was wild to be like whoa that's what y'all got to look at while y'all eating dinner but go ahead right versus when they are at the rich family's home they get lawn like they don't even just get a little patch of grass. They get full on lawn, like full on park type setting. But I did want to go back briefly to when you talked about the morality of that family. And that reminds me of when the mother, when they're all at the family's house pretending to live the high life, right? Like pretending that home is theirs. Mm-hmm. And one of them, maybe the son said that the rich wife was nice. And the mom was like, she's nice because she's rich. And she was like, if I had all this money, I'd be nice too. Which kind of suggests that their money is affected by their morals. Like it's always nice. I mean, I'm not for immorality. You know, everyone is human. Everyone makes (laughs) mistakes. But I also feel like they were using poverty to excuse their immorality, which was not right. But I also could see how they couldn't afford to be nice. I think the way she said it is money is an iron that takes all the creases out. Right. And I was like, well, you know, given that maybe you did iron their clothes too, you are like, it's just like layer upon layer. It's easy to be kind and nice and moral when your stomach is full. Like we know folks who to varying degrees came from the hood and have, I would say, flexible morals about things and about what they'll do or not do to get by. 
this family is just like that. You know, they are the hood of South Korea. You know, I can go to the next theme unless you have the next theme. Um, just for me was to kind of go into the former housekeepers coming in that whole scene, but go ahead to wherever you were. Well, I think obviously poverty was a theme. Obviously hustling was a theme. Like from the very beginning, they're hustling for their Wi-Fi. When the pizza manager shows up, you see very early on that the brother and sister are good at hustling and bullshitting folks. You know, like they slide up to that manager and start talking in her ear and, you know, trying to get some kind of pass and hook up and, and all of that stuff. Like, and then even down to like how they hustle through the family, like it was, it was like a a slow build of, okay, you see that they can hustle for Wi-Fi. Okay. Now you see that they can talk in somebody's ear. Oh, okay. Y'all going to use the red sauce on the tissue <laughs> to, to hustle, <laughs> right? To hustle the, the old housekeeper out of a job. Okay. Oh, y'all going to hustle your way in. So hustling was just like all the way through. It's like the parents didn't give them morals, but they gave them hustle. They gave them yeah, they like, the, they gave them that con artist spirit, like, they were studying harder to be con artists than they were to get into a school. You know, like when they talk about the sister could have (laughs) been some, like, I forget what the phrase was, but like basically that the sister was the best at forging documents ever. Like, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it, it was like what they turned their kids towards learning. And then of course, like you said, a big theme was the overarching theme was class difference. I also think about the kind of juxtaposition of the folks being flooded and the impromptu birthday party, because those happened around the same time, right? Am Um, I getting this right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because while they were at the shelter is when girlfriend hooked up, sent him the message telling him his mom had invited him to the party. Yes. Right. So it's like this, this place where it's like, the lines aren't just thinly drawn. They're firmly drawn. They're in black marker and permanent marker. Like in that city, there are people who are displaced because of the flood. And yet at the same time, rich people are preparing for a birthday party because the son didn't have the party that he was supposed to have. Right. And Mm -hmm. then just kind of jumping ahead when we talk about class differences, Oh, I have a note here that's just super funny. I, I say, I ask myself, I wonder if it's putting on airs for Koreans to have American names because it's like he had, what was his American name? I forget what his American name was, but his sister's American name was Jessica. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like they were rebuilding themselves on every level. It's like their history has to be rebuilt. Their names had to be rebuilt, you know, in order to be acceptable as they walked into this new world, this wealthy world and be introduced to this family. But I think that class difference was just the thing that ultimately killed the rich father. Well, before we get to him, okay, let's back up to before they even left the house when when the actual Pac family came back because they had gone on the trip, it rained, they came back. And so they wound up sleeping on the couch and you have the son, the daughter, and the father under that table. Right. And they had that whole conversation about Mr. Kim Smell. 
and how right. he had a smell that was impoverished and right. the smell just would overtake the car and you know he just went on and as they the people laid there under the table listening to them and they laid on the couch just having their conversation just as comfortably and peacefully as they could it was just like wow a smell like you you are talking as though he has a choice about this smell one and two the smell is just so overbearing to you it it makes you sick in the back of the car then they even showed the wife when they go shopping for the uh birthday party how she recognized the smell because her husband had told her now she's actually getting to smell it and she's overthrown and has to roll the window down and i'm going wow that 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 was one of those things that just yeah stuck out for me and it was just like so there are a number of things that were going on that's why this film is just crazy crazy to me because the rich dad was very particular very strong figure to me he walks into a room owning it he is very successful he is very set about how he wants things to be and he's very much about crossing lines right about people crossing lines Mm -hmm. and not crossing lines. And so to me, that foreshadowed what was going to happen when Rich Dad was very much about poor dad not crossing lines Um, and and how he Mm -hmm. existed just before he crossed the line. And so when they had that conversation that you mentioned where every the poor people are under the table and the wealthy people are above it, going to superb, you know, above the tea table, enjoying mm-hmm, their lives, mm-hmm. enjoying their meal, whatever. It's like the smell thing was part of crossing the line, but he, it was like a thing that he could not control, but it exactly. was, it was like, you know, you can't control your poverty, but yet I'm going to demonize and look down upon you for it. You can't even have respect just as a worker even if you're working for my family, I secretly disdain you. I secretly look down on you. I'm sure there's some symbolism in the rich couple having sex and the poor family having to just listen to it. Bear witness, right. Right. And when the family finally gets to crawl out from under the table, there's some symbolism there, right? Of the father being the last to crawl out from under the table and having to crawl like a bug out from under the table. And the wife had said when they were all sitting, eating high on the hog, they were like, what would you do if family came back right now? And the wife said, oh, you would, you know, scurry away like a roach, like a bug. And that's exactly what he did. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. snap. It was all foreshadowing and, and coming back right. together. It was just when you, as a film, when you saw how these bits and pieces clicked in together, you were like, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Like, it was like every step. You you went from a place where you were like, oh, this family, ha, 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 you're funny, to, ooh, y'all are getting over, to starting to feel nervousness like oh how's this gonna end especially with the ex-maid or the ex-housekeeper like when all that hit you were just like oh damn they are effed up they're jacked it's over like it ain't gonna be right 
Yeah, I was about to say, that is where I wanted to hit next because the Keem family was not ready for the former housekeeper who was already in full parasite mode because she was a parasite too, goddammit. She right. was in full parasite mode. She knew all about the house. She was the former housekeeper to the man who had designed and built the home. So she knew about the secret bunker in the basement and she had set her husband up to live there. Like, right. dude had a full suite going on a bed a bathroom a little seating uh sitting area like it was a full thing going on and they were blissfully happy with this situation and she even told them when the park family left she was like she told them the kings you all don't even know how to do this right when my husband and i were you know here and it was just us we would come out enjoy listen to music and they were for you know showed a backpan of their lives and how they would come out and they were just you know calmly enjoying it and then they'd go back to their quiet bunker in the basement and it was like wow she had a whole setup going on and in their minds the kings were just over the top in their head they could not understand their parasiticness but she was okay with hers and it just made it that much more of a chaotic mess Well, I think that it helped that the family, while not the worst, like they were not complete assholes, they were quite a bit douchey, right? And so that's how anyone in that position would have said, okay, you know what, if I take a little bit of food home, if I get over a little bit, I'm going to let it go because the family was so particular in weird, odd ways. The, The wife only wanted references from other folks, which made it easy to get over on her, right? You know, like they all had their thing. But yeah, when when you see that unfold, I mean, just it just went from from treasure to trash in a hurry. It was so <laughs> I was like, and and even and then it kind of slow key broke my heart because until the very moment at the birthday party when it just completely exploded. It's like I had some level of hopefulness, you know, because it, I know this is awful to say. If the family had somehow found a way to quietly bum off of the rich family, if the poor family had found some way to quietly exist with the poor family, I would have been okay with it. Like, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting them to get to some place where... One day the son could go back to school. One day Jessica could get her art degree. Like I was, I was hoping for something like that. And yet they were like, no, this isn't that type of film. This is actual art. We're not here to make you feel comfortable. We're here to like make you feel uncomfortable. So, uh, yeah. So that former housekeeper and her husband are the O's. And the O's, I think that was the problem and one of the the themes, again, we could look at and why I mentioned what I did, is that the two parasites couldn't function together. They were two two different types and they just could not function together. And so even though you had the Keem family who had come in and gotten all their stuff together, the lady, O, was not going to let go. O Moon Guan was not going to let go. She was not going to just release that because her and her husband, now where they going to go? Where they going to go? Right. How they going to function? So she had a plan in her head. And that's how, even though she came, she came to make sure the man had eaten and, you know, was okay because he had been down there for weeks without anything going down. So that was why she made her way back. But even upon that, the 
Akeem family realize, oh crap, somebody else is basically holding on to where we're trying to get to. And so we got to fight that off. And so when the Miss Keem kicked Miss O down the stairs, that right. was kind of the beginning and the end of that. It right. couldn't go right after that. It had to go to the left. Yeah, completely. It was crazy. It was like layers and layers and layers of crazy. And that just led to the two fathers going bananas, the two parasitic fathers going bananas at the party. So the one got loose. He just went ham, start killing folk, and, well, attempting to kill people because the boy didn't die, but he attempted to kill them. He stabbed the daughter, stabbed the mom, or did he? Yeah, he that was that's the not the father, but um, Mr. O. Mr. O Well, yeah, got that, he's, yeah. I'm calling him uh, the dad of the O family, so. Ah, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Mean, I know kids, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what I meant. But, like, he, he got to killing people, so then I think Keem, Keem dad, he, for the most part, on top of the fact that the Park dad, the rich family dad, said what he said to him prior to him going out in that Indian costume he had already built up in his his own you just have no respect for people who are under you or beneath you in so many words that is over the top this man has come out now so this just my chance to get it all off let me go ahead attack him and then kill this one because did they kill wait attack who and kill who he killed Mr. Pock and didn't he kill Mr. O? Who killed O? I can't remember. I thought maybe the mom killed O. She may have. Ogunse was his name. So she may have killed him. It was an amalgamation of a whole bunch of BS and frustration, resentfulness all at one time. I think that the conversation between the two fathers was almost the straw that broke the camel's back. If the poor dad had not been under that table and heard that conversation, I don't think it would have set him off. I think that he was used to the rich dad talking the way he talked and he would have let it go. But it was that he had talked about his smell and then this man in the middle of all this craziness cannot bear to touch the keys He's holding his nose as he touches those keys to go like, dude, don't you even want to survive enough to grab some keys? Like he was too good to save his own life. You get what I'm saying? He's too, like, he didn't even want to jump into the fray to stop it. He was so busy. He thought he was old life. Like you go and save the day and fight this crazy guy off at my birthday party in my home. And I can't even grab some keys without holding my nose. That's what made him go, oh, hell no, you about to die, fool. So that's why Mm -hmm. I think he went went after him because that was the straw that broke the camel's back. He was too through with the father and all of that. And frankly, when you have spent days upon days and you've been with the wife, I can see how they started to law themselves. Like, we know these folks. We drive them around. We get their food. You know, they're all right. You know, it's imperfect, but they're all right. We're, we're almost friends. And then he's under that table and he hears what they really think. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the smell, but just all of it. Wow. They really think we're trash. You know, we can't just be working people. We can't even get right. respect that way. 
y'all think we are for real trash. Like, even if we smell like trash, even if we live in trash, you know, they, even if they have trash morals, they, it's almost like they're like, we're human beings and you can't even give us that respect. So that's why the father was just like, I don't give a damn about my life. I'm, I'm just going for it. I'm just, I don't give a damn. And it's a shame because it's a, the ultimate stereotype that hood rats end up in jail. Like, damn, he ended up in jail. <laughs> like, you know, like the family. No, no, he did not. No, no. he didn't. He did what not. Happened? He, he ended up. He, he well, he ended out. up in. He, he snuck yeah, out but, that back. No, no but when I say made his way back. No, when I'm when I mean he ended up in jail. I'm sorry. I meant he ended up in jail. Like he lived in that house. He got yeah, stuck yeah, there. Yeah, he yeah, ended up yeah. in jail. Like he's, you know, he's not free. He's not no, free. He's, he's not. not. He can't even, even walk the comes, yard. Even if he comes out, he got to be mindful of. Because remember, the son went to go look for the father. I don't know what he was looking for, but he went back to the house just to kind of look and saw the lights and got his message. But people had been following them around. Because they thought right. that he knew where the dad was. Right. So, right. He, he was right. not free. Right. So it's like this weird thing where the family, the, the thing they had, because let's go back to the rock, right? When they were in the shelter, I think the the son says something about how the the rock has him. You know, like the father asked about the rock and he's like, no, the, the rock clings to me. And but they were so fixated on believing it was material wealth that they didn't realize that the rock was that they had each other. And so that family right. imploded. The the daughter died, you know, mm-hmm. was killed. The father is stuck in a basement. It's just the son and the mom. How do you how do you function after that? You know, like <laughs> it's it's Even like their so family was the split. Point. Let's let's talk about because I think that that was. Do you believe that these the meta that the ending was metaphorical or a true ending? That's a good question. I'll tell you now that I think that it was a metaphorical ending because mm-hmm. the son has this dream of becoming wealthy enough. To, to buy that house to buy that house now the thing that i read and i read it but i don't like have all the details on it was that at some point when they had gone to the buffet or whatever to eat and they had crunched the numbers they realized it would take the sun like so many years like 200 years or 400 years or something crazy for him to become wealthy like that like he was never and and that was really truly where where I was going to like I didn't by a long shot think it was a true ending I just wanted to kind of make sure that point was out there that it was his dream it was metaphorical and even if you look at the exact very end I would like to say he was still sitting in the room in the room of wherever it was they were I don't think they were back in the basement but he was somewhere else and him and the mom shared and so in my mind I said okay that was all him dreaming what if he if this pan out after all the crazy to be some semblance of normal this is what he would have but at the end of the day dad stuck in the basement you and mom still living in poverty and y'all just trying to make it 
And the thing is, like, do I want to self-soothe? Because that was some traumatic shit to watch that. Like, let me just keep it 100. Um, <laughs> but it stayed on my mind, it, like, at least for a couple of hours. And then I was like, you need to walk away from this. I want to believe at some point the father snuck out. And he was able to find them. And they moved out to the country or r- rural area. Or they got somewhere else. Maybe maybe not a rural area because then he would have stuck out, right? But like someplace they would have found a way to be together because the sister dying was enough karma as far as I was concerned. Like life for a life. The mother killed um, Mrs. O. She lost her daughter. Them bumming off of that rich family, they didn't deserve all of that. They came to them like that. Like that was just, that was crazy. It was a lot. I just... I mean, I think that's the only reason I would say I didn't like this film. (laughs) Not because it wasn't artistically great, not because the themes were not stellar, you know, the symbolism was on point, like it all clicked in together, but just because it just hurt my spirit afterwards, I was just like, damn. Because one of the things I think I thought about was the loss of life. Was it necessary for the plot to be furthered? And although I'm going to say... I'm not sure that I thought the deaths were necessarily needed for me, but I do know that they were driving points to how totally desperate these two families were, that both parasitic husbands were at kill mode getting to this place. And in that it was about trying to maintain some sense of sanity and dignity. The old husband, old goose, I don't want to, I'm tearing it up. I'm butchering it. I'm sure. But the old husband it was a matter of this is what I've been doing. This is what me and my wife agreed to. I was willing to work this out, but here y'all came and you've made it harder than it had to be. So I'm going in and you killed my wife. You you killed my source of everything being sane and right. She's gone. So now I'm taking y'all out for the Keen family. As you spoke on that husband, like he just was overwrought and overtaken by that situation. And so with all of that, I just felt like, Ooh, all that death is what made this story go it was heavy like it started off like you said it had some comedic elements it had some stuff that you know you kind of could laugh and keep going it it had all kind of symbolisms but it was heavy because I think that was what like made me feel sad for a little while like you said I even went to another drama I was watching Lucky Romance at the time I went back to Lucky Romance to try to like lift my spirits a little bit but yeah it was it was heavy it was heavy yeah and and you know, to be clear, the let's talk about Mr. O, just a smidge. I mean, he wasn't completely a hundred to begin with, right? <laughs> he was not well, I mean, mentally right. He was not sad. mentally altogether. No disrespect, but you know, he was not. It was like he was loving in his own weird way. Like he had been there in that basement for years, and. And it worked for them. Right. It worked for them. And, you know, one of the things I did read about, like, of course, I didn't go and collect the various Easter eggs because anyone can go read them on their own. Like, they don't need me to list them here. But one of the things was that poor dad worked for this cake company that went out of business And the assumption is that the cake company was owned by Mr. O. 
Like maybe they didn't, maybe he didn't know who the the owner was of this cake company or something, but that was like one of the things, like there were these weird coincidences and weird things that they tied in together. And it was like, Mr. O once upon a time was a business person. I mean, I'm saying this to say Mr. O was once able-bodied and then devolved, if you will, and circumstances changed for him. And he ends up making do in a basement where he does like Morse code for fun right i mean and so it's interesting that the best that poor dad can do at the end is end up in a basement doing morse code to let his family know he's alive uh it was just it was a lot and that's and i can't take away from this film i can just say i'm not built for unhappy endings i'm not built for <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why I watch Korean dramas and, and Japanese dramas. I don't watch horror, you know, as a rule. I mean, with rare exception, um, the rare exception in this case being, I'm just going to do a shameless plug because I love this show so much. Um, Lovecraft Country is on tonight and um, I'm in love with that show. And so that's how I can do, I can do thrillers. I can do sci-fi even black comedy to a degree, but it was sad and disheartening at the end. And I think it's important that people know that because chances are, if you walked away from this film depressed, realize you weren't alone. <laughs> it was for real. I'm telling you, I'm a parallel for you. Two things. One, I just watched um, SF8, which is a new show on uh, Cocoa, and it is sci-fi thriller. And it was like man, it was, it was strange. The first one is called The Prayer. And when it ended, I was just like, oh, we, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. And so I won't be going on with that show. Oh, wow. <laughs> because of the ending. The ending was like, whoa, I wasn't ready for that. I, I thought, you know, yeah, you, you, you would have to read about it or you and I could talk about it another time. But that show kind of took me over too. And I feel you on the not- ready for unhappy endings or the what the what the fuck what happened so i also watched the movie believer because i am on a uh yil i'm tearing his name up i'm sure yil june no rue june yil yeah the traveler he was in reply 1988 um he was i've been talking about him on twitter and facebook everywhere okay him so this movie believer someone had shared with me um yesterday that i should watch it i found it i watched it it was a really good movie but the ending, i was like wait a minute who died who died because they don't tell you who shot who so you can't figure out which one of them died and i'm going hmm because i got two feelings about that and i don't know if i feel like that was a good idea if this one is the one who died but then i don't know if i wanted that one to die so <laughs> yeah that was another one of those ah at the end movies right and so I don't know. I think if I'd never seen the film, I would have felt like I missed something. And definitely. I feel like this was a had to see. Right. And I think that you can, you know, if you if you're gonna spend like two hours on something, you wanna take something away from it. The thing I take away from it is the thing I've always believed, like money doesn't buy happiness. 
And, and there's so many other elements to what makes life great and grand. And if you don't appreciate what you already have, i.e. your family, your friends, good people around you, like health, 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 health is health. a big one. Health is a big one. <laughs> yes. If you don't appreciate those things around you, yeah, it doesn't matter what kind of rock you're walking around with, you know, like that rock you walked around with was a pebble in his shoe. It wasn't something that added to his life or made his life richer. If they had had all the wealth in the world, maybe it would have been different, but they had so much. They had so much potential. Like if they had seen that future, then chances are they would have stayed as far away from that wealthy family as possible. Girl, please. uh Uh-uh. Them schemers and connivers, they tried to figure a way around it. They would have known in advance about that housekeeper's husband down there, and they'd have planned in advance. If they had known the end, they were never going to not try to make that happen. You're right. Not that fair. You're so right. And then, so then that leads me (laughs) to my other, the other takeaway. Don't fuck with fuck-ups. Like it's a real takeaway. If you see somebody who is like, and by fuck up, let me define that for you, right? I'm not talking about people who make mistakes. I'm not talking about people who like things happen to them and it's very unfortunate, you know, like they've had bad luck. I'm talking about people who all you have to do is go from A to B and somehow they, because they think they smarter, they want to get over whatever their crazy thing is, they go from A to D to V to W to X. They don't go down straight lines. If you bump into somebody who is like just a fuck up, like just can't seem to get it right and they can't get it right, not the things around them, they can't get it right, stay away from them. Stay away if you see somebody who hustles too hard, because I'm telling you, you make it me laugh on so many levels because one of my questions was, how can, how can the story relate to our lives? You are answering that as you speak, because I'm telling you, that is exactly what I was laughing about. My mom is, her favorite line <laughs> is anytime somebody zigzags, you get away from them because you're supposed to be on the straight path. If they zigzagging, you don't want to zigzag with them. And you just named, you named off the zigzags, going from A to F to Q. Wait a minute, what are you doing? And in the, um, there's a, movie i think it's called life i can't remember but where the man's name is can't get right right can't get right you just always got a problem you can't never get right i'm gonna need you to mm -mm, steer clear steer clear right right it's like when you see someone who's hustling and they're always hustling hard Mm -hmm. and it's never just like them just doing the right thing and going about their business stay away from them because either they're gonna hustle you like that's a real thing or because their mindset is different, right? It's like their their chemistry is off. Like they just a different type of egg. And clearly there's a whole family. Like clearly now we know that maybe genetically that, that can happen. I mean, it's it's fiction, but it's also true. Oh, I'll say because I've met a family of hustlers. So yeah, sorry. Mm-mm. Right. When, when you, you can, that mindset can spread there because, you, you know, problem. like, I, by and large, I've always known people who are hustlers like that to think they're smarter than everybody else. To look, and they're trying to feed their low self-esteem or whatever the hell is going on with themselves by thinking I'm going to get over. So in situations where you really don't even need to get over, right? It's just unnecessary. They they trying to do stuff, especially when you meet people who are you know naturally kind, giving, and it's not about finances. Just you know 
you don't mind sharing something, you don't mind helping out, you don't mind, and so you think you're gonna hustle, but in this situation, that's what happens. Like, you know, you you think you hustling me, but at the end of the day, I was right. being nice just cause now how about right. we cut I cut it all off. I cut everybody off. I ain't gotta deal with none of y'all. Like we can we can make it go that way. That's how that has to work sometimes when you're dealing with those kind of people. Right. I just remember in college, like kind of seeing folks who were hustlers and when I was young, you would think, oh, it's just that they're smart. Well, oh, you can be smart up to a degree. You have, also have to know when to turn that off. There's a difference between knowing the system and working the system. And then just like, to me, a key thing when you know someone is a fuck up is when it is absolutely unnecessary to do. <laughs> and they still trying to get over. And they're still trying to get over. And maybe that's one of the reasons why the show kind of sickens me because this is like what happens, like you see just the end result of what happens to people who like just, it's not even just trying to do wrong. You know, people make mistakes. It is trying to get over and frankly hurting others. Like that's another function of the, the fuck up. Like they don't necessarily mind hurting other people. And I don't, it's like the ending was, I didn't want to see people hurt. I didn't want to see people killed. Like, that's just not my thing. So, um, you know, like at at the end of the day, I didn't like watching the show Faces of Death. Like, (laughs) you remember back in the day, girl, when, did you ever watch Faces of Death? I don't Girl, no, it was like Faces of Death. It's like you, people, it was like this series where they put clips together of people getting killed. Like, it was like, in the old school, like, not like, hey, we're going to kill somebody, but like, oh, this is footage we have of this person in this accident, and they ended up being killed. And it's like, it, that used to sicken me too. Like, I, I don't like to see people hurt. Like, and I'm not saying that's a great thing. Like, I'm a very virtuous person or anything. I just don't like it. So I think that that's what, at the end of this film, I, I would say it's a film worth seeing, but just like mentally prepare yourself. And if you don't really need to see this to live and you're not like, you know, into art the way we are, then, you know, you can give it its respect without watching it. I know this is a weird thing to say, but at the end of having thought about this whole film now, I'm like, it's an AAA plus, 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 but you know, you don't have to watch it. <laughs> hilarious well while we're talking about watching it that would be where i was going next is um for those of you who are interested in watching it we found it on hulu um i did not see it in netflix i did not see it on vicky um i've been hearing a lot and i know i've used it before i think you've used it before drama cool but one of the things about some of these sites you got to be careful with the pop-ups and the redirects with these uh what do you what are those things they use cookies when you have those, yeah, like those, and it's not just the cookies, no. It's when they have those ads that kind of overtake and send you to another right. link before you can actually, yeah, that crap. I'm not 100% a fan of those. And so we got into this conversation on one of these websites I'm always on, but we got into a conversation about how you watch stuff. And a lot of people like to pop up Drama Cool or I think it's Kiss Asian. Both of them use those. And so you got to be kind of careful depending on what kind of user you are. I am someone who I don't mind paying to use to see what I want to see. So I've got a subscription to Vicky. I've got a subscription to Cocoa. I pay for Amazon Prime. So therefore I have 
Prime Video, I pay for Netflix. So like I pay for the stuff I want because I want to be able to watch it without the issues, without the pop-ups, without whatever other drama might come behind it. Um, I don't know. I just feel like those, the other sites are like that. If I am at a hundred percent desperate and I really want to see whatever it is. So like, I really wanted to see, um, what's that drama, the historical drama that had all the cute guys. Um, harangue or whatever. Okay. Oh no, no, no. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. (laughs) What was right. Real, real heart dark. Oh Jesus. I can't think of the name of it, but it, it, it too had a bunch of the cute guys in it. And I think it was like seven brothers and the girl was one of the friends of theirs somehow. And any which way this story is known, but I went there to watch that because I could not find it anywhere. And I searched everywhere, even tried to put it on a, hey, could you please add this? Yeah, I couldn't find it anywhere. So I did watch it there. But again, those sites are not the best to choose from if you don't have to, in my personal opinion. What do you think? I mean, I don't even play that game. Like you... It's it's been a long time since I've had to deviate from this um tried and true. You know, the the dirtiest I've gotten uh when it comes to traveling down the byways, highways, and alleyways uh to watch a, a drama is the what is it, IQ, IU, whatever that thing is called. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's that's the that's as bad as I've gotten because frankly, I'm very blessed and lucky and grateful to not have to do that now the way I used to in the very early years um so man because back then it was a whole different that was there was no other you had to worry for real about viruses and so I just you know between Vicky and Cocoa and um, Netflix I've been pretty good now is there going to be some show somewhere that I'm going to be like fiending trying to watch? I'm sure. I'm sure. So I'm crossing fingers and toes that my luck persists, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And as we can see, Hulu has our back to, right. you know, Amazon, even Amazon video like has stuff. So <laughs> I'm, Oh honey. Cause that's where I watched uh deliverer. Yesterday I watched um no, I watched Taxi Driver on Vicky, but I've watched several movies on Amazon because that's the only place that had it. It wasn't on Netflix, it wasn't on Vicky, it wasn't on Cocoa. So go over to Net or to Prime Video and there it is. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I think that we're in a really lucky space that we can afford. Some of these sites you can still afford. You can still watch it on Hulu. You just, you know, you're going to be dealing with ads. Heck, with Hulu, even when you pay, you're dealing with ads. It's so rude. Um, but, but <laughs> right, let's just keep it 100. Um, <laughs> and, and so if you can, you know, pay in time and if not in money, you're still good. I would never suggest or promote a hobby or an interest that is predicated primarily on having the funds to do it. Like that's not cool. So there is almost always some way to catch these shows. And if you can't, then ask somebody to do a watch party, (laughs) you know, because those are becoming more and more popular and that's, you know, an entryway into catching some of those shows. Anyway, is there anything else that you'd like to add about Parasite, Sunray, before we end this episode? 
no i think that's pretty much it i i it was a good it was a good ride it was it left me a little sad but it was a good ride okay well i feel exactly the same um as always we want to know what you all think i'm sure that there are those of you who have uh watched the show i mean not the show there are those of you who have watched the film repeatedly and you have you have discovered all the secrets to the universe and within <laughs> within the film so um Please tell me, tell us what you think about Parasite, how much you love the film, what your observations are, what you think we got right, and what you think we got wrong. Well, I am something else, and I'm Song Ray. Have a good one, you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Black Girl Soul. We enjoyed having you, and please subscribe, like, and follow our Facebook page, YouTube channel, Twitter page, Instagram page, and join our Facebook group. You can also find us on Patreon. Please look below for links. See you guys next week.